up everybody welcome That's... back to creeps in the crypt this is eric as always i'm joined by sam manic no christian <laughs> <laughs> we're not telling us what we're feeling we're telling <laughs> our names I, I missed the assignment <laughs> That's not, she did not understand the assignment no not at all <clears throat> well with this week coming up we're getting ready for thanksgiving and tonight's tale of terror <coughs> tonight's tale of terror is one that is drenched with all the makings of a good thanksgiving story mm-hmm. you have what to what to expect at a thanksgiving table i wouldn't say it's a thanksgiving story but what to expect at your family's thanksgiving i mean you have destructive political and religious beliefs at the core of this story and Isn't it reason- everybody's Thanksgiving like that? Exactly. Pretty much. I mean, when we all have those family members that you wish you could annihilate. But tonight's subject definitely achieved his dreams. Yes, he did. He he crushed those goals. Oh, very proud of him. He shot right through them. Gold star. In the back of the head. <laughs> execution style. I mean, to... See, like, you guys are going to get me on this one because I actually never heard of this guy. You've never heard of John List? No. No, wait a Sorry. <laughs> John List is the progenitor of all family annihilators, I would say. Well, yeah. if they're reading the title of the episode, they know what we're talking about. That is true. Shut up, Eric. You know what? Both of you all are fucking... <laughs> y'all undermine me constantly. Don't well, get mad because I told the truth, Eric. I'm sure there's plenty of people that have never heard of him. I mean, it's not like a... Is he, like, super... I just... I read the news. I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? I've never even fucking heard of him. He is, hands down, my favorite family annihilator. Really? Yes. Yeah, he's he's the best. Like, the best at being the worst. He's the worst kind of human being. He really... He is a piece of shit. But... And probably one of the most boring human beings ever he, to literally, exist. Literally. He it but it's just like everything, everything from start to finish is just chef's. Is he kiss. an accountant before accountant was deemed spicy? Sort of. Yeah. He was not yeah, yeah, he was, he was yeah, an, he was an accountant. Before it was spicy. Bef- it was he was before, the he was before the white. what all the OnlyFans girls say that they do for a living. He is Mayo is too spicy accountant. Yeah. <gasps> uh, salt is spicy. <laughs> He is a white, white. So to understand, like his political beliefs, uh, they they align completely with his religious beliefs. Yeah. Oh God. So you have a McCarthy Republican. Yeah. Um. You know, war is good. War war helps the economy. Yeah. Um. And the belief that if you're poor, it's the biggest sin of all. Being poor outweighs all the other sins. Like, if yeah. you're economically healthy, Challenge. you're fine. Yeah. Like, if you're economically healthy yeah, and you have status, then you are doing everything right mm-hmm. in God's eyes. And God will bless you with more, more stuff. He's a Lutheran. Yeah. So, without further ado... Let's get into John. I'm ready to go on this crazy ride with you. <laughs> it is a wild ride. It's it's it really I've is. I've got my five point harness on. Let's do this shit. <laughs> are you strapped in? <laughs> I'm strapped in. I'm ready for this. You are in for a real treat. 
The events leading up to John List's crimes are pretty often played down, and the story is told that one day he just snapped and killed everyone, his whole family. Just one day, he just woke up and was like, yep, this is happening today. <laughs> but that's not exactly what happened. There was a lot that festered inside of John List that led up to him murdering his entire family. Oh, I love a good fester. <laughs> If he never killed anyone, that would have been more of a shock. The story of John List is a cautionary tale of what happens when you just tamp down all your emotions and not communicate. You're either going to kill your entire family or get cancer and die. Those are the only two options. Like the amount of tamping that this man did. He like... Pushed everything down. Bottled all of his emotions. Yeah. When is this man's birthday? I'm going to look this up. I'll tell, I will tell you in just a second. Ooh. So John List was the product of an extremely conservative family dedicated to their Lutheran pro- Protestant faith in Michigan. For a little like snapshot into the religion, the man who founded the Lutheran faith considered Roman Catholics to be too liberal. <sighs> what? Yeah. Its integration into American culture dovetailed perfectly with capitalism and some of the core tenets of its belief system is that the poor are poor because they're sinners. It's literally the prosperity gospel. Yeah. It's like the more yeah. prosperity you have, the the closer you are to God. They're not far off from Mormons. <laughs> <laughs> John Emil List was born on September 17, 1925, in Bay City, Michigan, to John Frederick List and Alma Barbara Florence List. Oh, my God. How many names are you going to have? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, fun fact, John, so John F. List, so Daddy List, and Alma were cousins. Ugh. They were kissing cousins. Now, Are they with cousins that- by marriage? Or by, like, actual, like, blood. So it's really hard to, like, discern that because in these small immigrant towns, like, most of the people have the same last name. Yeah. So it, it's like this weird fucked up family tree, but the roundabout saying it. It's more like a wreath. Yeah. It, it, it Basically, they're first cousins once removed. That's as far as I can track it. Really? Yeah. Like, there were two sides of this family, and, like, it's it's a lot. Way too much, too much confusing bullshit to go into. So, long story short, they're kissing cousins. Mm. Ugh. John List was the only child in the highly religious German American household. John Frederick, a stern old German man, usually just dealt with his son, who he referred to as the boy. He was expected to be seen and I not. I saw that look that I just got. <laughs> Sorry. You're not going com- to comment on that? I'm in silence. <laughs> no, I just, I, I've heard somebody else say that. Yeah, I have referred to my stepson as the boy quite often. Oops. Yeah. I, you, I just gave you the same look. I didn't even see the look she gave you. Yeah, but I, but I don't see you same. being like super conservative. You just kind of like, whatever. I'm like, well, don't. I'm going to go get the boy. Yeah. Oh, well, that's not like in a derogatory term. Yeah. No, he doesn't say it in a derogatory yeah. term. I was but bored. But her, his dad is referring to him as the boy in, like, the boy. I just not my son. deal with the boy. Not my, you know, yeah. anything. I don't know. He was expected to be seen and not heard. 
excel in school, and reflect the family dignity while at church. John Frederick ultimately ultimately left Alma to raise John. She was very domineering and overprotective. Those who knew the lists didn't recall seeing photos of John and his dad together unless it was at a church service. Unlike most murderers, John grew up without any major incidents. He had a pretty normal childhood, aside from his extremely religious upbringing. And we don't count that. He had a very normal childhood. He was a loner who was not socially active and had very few friends in school and in town. In 1943, John enlisted in the Army and served in the infantry as a lab tech during World War II. This job fit very well with John's strict nature. So, one fun, probably the most interesting fact about John List is when he was deployed over to Europe, he spent, he basically was in the military for a year and a half. Mm -hmm. He spent most of it traveling. When he was deployed in Germany, they were, his, unit was captured by the Germans. Yeah. And he ended up brokering the exchange because by this, the, the war was pretty much over. Germany had lost. Mm -hmm. So the Germans cat that captured him knew that. So John list actually was the one because he spoke German mm -hmm. brokered the deal. Cool. And he was a POW for about an afternoon. That's <laughs> true for a few hours. So he got awarded a bronze star for it. And he, he, touts this bronze star like it it's the greatest thing he's ever accomplished but the reality is everybody in his unit got it like they were just basically handing the things out like fucking participation trophies by the end of the war oh no is that where participation trophies began <laughs> and i said it correctly that you time. did i'm so proud, proud is that, of you i know did you say it low because you wasn't you weren't sure if you were going to say no it right? there is I another word that i'm not sure that we'll say very loudly <laughs> we all know what that word is it's another German word. <laughs> it's a sauce. Worcestershire. Oh. <laughs> Worcestershire. Worcestershire. In 1946, after he was discharged from the Army, he enrolled at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor, where he earned a bachelor's degree in business administration and a master's in accounting. Oh, he's an accountant. The regular accounting, not the fun, spicy kind. He was also commissioned as a second lieutenant in the ROTC. During 1950, the Korean War was in full swing, and John was recalled to active duty. At Fort Eustis in Virginia, he met a woman named Helen Taylor, who was the widow of an infantry officer. She was living nearby with her daughter, Brenda. Soon after they met, they began dating, and she told him that she was pregnant. So, John, being the devout Lutheran he is, he agreed to marry her. Dude, John List. Actually, Helen List in this situation. She's the, she's the villain in this. She's the most unlucky woman on the planet. So, giving birth to her first child. Um, she had several miscarriages along the way, but mm -hmm. when the doctor was delivering uh, her, her child... Mm. She got splashed in the eyes with um, antiseptic, mm -hmm. and it made her go wall-eyed. So her wall, her eyes are like this. So she looks like a chameleon. <laughs> no, that's unfortunate. Oh my God. So John agrees to marry Helen, 
And she insisted that they get married in Maryland, which at the time didn't require the premarital syphilis test mandated in most of the other states at the time. See, unbeknownst to John, Helen had gotten the syph from her first husband and hid it from John for 18 years. So not only, you know, uh, it's just so fucking gross to me. But the reason that she couldn't get treated for penicillin, like for syphilis, is because they wouldn't allow penicillin to be used on anybody other than the military. Yeah. Because they needed it because the soldiers fucked around. So most of the military had like syphilis back then. <laughs> so they were just like doling out penicillin like it was fucking Snickers on Halloween. <laughs> and uh, oh, they're the good house. Yeah, and then all the housewives that would like fuck their husbands when they came back from service. And end up catching the syphilis. Hope for the best. Yeah. (laughs) But what they end up doing was infecting her with malaria, thinking that the malaria would overheat the body and kill the syphilis, and it just doesn't. So she had syphilis and malaria? Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. Poor woman. Yeah. She's like the unluckiest woman ever to live. Yeah. She's got the eyes of a a seal. Um, (laughs) Syphilis, malaria. Just, just a bad time. She'd be great to go Black Friday shopping with, though. Dude, she could see the deals for days. That, and she'd be great to take to find a parking spot. Fuck yeah. She could, like, scan out on the perimeters. Better than having fucking radar. <laughs> well, she has the eyes of a dolphin, so she might have echolocation, too. <laughs> Bing! <laughs> on December 1st, 1951, the two got married in Baltimore, Maryland. Unfortunately, having syphilis wasn't the only dirty little secret Helen was keeping from John. Oh, shit. Shortly after they got married, Helen admitted that she hadn't even been pregnant at all. Dude, fuck her. Right? Like... She deserves the syphilis. She, and, yeah. Uh, and the oh. malaria. And the malaria. I don't know if she deserves getting shot in the fucking face, but... No, I don't think any... Well, some people uh, deserve that. Uh, you know um, what? I'll give him that one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> so, John, rightfully, he was upset. He felt tricked, but his Lutheran faith would not allow him to break his marriage vows and get a divorce. Though Helen wasn't pregnant prior to their marriage, she wasted no time getting pregnant for real. Within four years, Helen and John had had three children. Eventually, he landed a decently paying job with a paper company in Kalamazoo, Michigan, and settled there with his family. Things had always been strained in the List family. I mean, his marriage started out with a big old lie and a secret STD, so he doesn't even know about the STD yet, or if at all. Ooh. So they start out on rocky waters at best. Um, on top of all that, Helen was an alcoholic and became increasingly difficult to manage. She had also been prescribed a shit ton of tranquilizers. Yeah. So it was like the one that they would give like for morning sickness back in the day. Yeah. That caused all the parents to give birth to flipper babies. What the hell is a flipper baby? Like dolphin babies. Like they have, they have like webbed hands. What? Yeah. Look that shit up. No, I don't want to. Pass. 
When Helen's oldest daughter, Brenda, got married and left the family home, John moved the rest of them out to New York when he got the job as director of accounting at Xerox. Moving his whole family from the Midwest to the East Coast put an immense pressure on John to provide for his family. But he, he, couldn't, he just couldn't seem to hold down a job. The quality of John's work was never the issue. He was meticulous and hardworking, but he was often let go because he rubbed his bosses and or co-workers the wrong way. There was just something about John List that was off-putting in a way that was hard to pin down. So I guess it was like when you meet someone and you just get that vibe, you're like, I don't like you. I don't know why I don't like you, but I know I just don't like you. It was kind of like, kind of like that. Me 24-7. I feel that. Like, I catch um, those feelings quite often. John List also was, <coughs> John List also was obsessed with his title. He wanted to be the vice president, but his management skills just weren't there. He had no people skills. Yeah, his people skills were shit. Yeah. And due to that, he could never, get, he always got passed up for these promotions and then he'd get ass hurt about it. But he would go to these meetings and like start breaking out in hives, like trying to give a presentation. Or uh, Helen would call and say, Your son just shit his pants. If you want them changed, you need to come home and change them. Like, she was just drunk all the fucking time. And then, like, if he would take her to um, any of the corporate meetings, she would just get blackout drunk and then show her ass and be like, John's never as good as my first husband and shit like that. No, no my yeah, God. Man. No wonder he murdered them all. This, like I said, you just tamp it down. You got to hold the line. Don't let them see any weakness. I'm sure that nobody a- respects the father. How many times are you going to say that this episode? So many fucking times. <laughs> I think, we, I think the limit always, does not exist. I wish, that, Jeff, if there is a way that you can leave in part of the yelling as John Jackson in there, <laughs> I think that would just make that this episode. Please and thank you. I appreciate you. Oh my gosh. I, I tell people things and nobody listens. It's hard to be the father. <laughs> Nobody respects the father. So in 1965, he finally landed the vice president job at a bank in New Jersey. And it seemed like their problems were over. Oh, my God. I hope he got a corner office. He had the best view. Did he have the window with his name on it? I hope so. Oh, I love that. I feel happy for him. Helen insisted that John buy her dream home, a sprawling 19-room gigantic mansion. Okay, hold on, bitch. I just got this job. Right? I would have been like 19. I didn't even get 19 rooms. So Eric. <laughs> Helen, Helen had a nasty habit of one of the other big problems with John was Helen's spending was so egregious that he couldn't make enough money to keep head like their head above water. And he was made, he was in he was high paying jobs. Vice president of a whole ass bank. Well, but even before that, he was oh, yeah, clearing he was- like the equivalent of a hundred K today. Yeah. Like he was making good money. Right. But Helen would just spend it. She would just spend it all the fucking time to make herself feel better because the, and he thought that, you know, if you work hard enough and provide for your family, everything will be okay. Yeah. And eventually, you know, she'll get it. But 
She's buying like a fucking bassinet that's nine hundred dollars in nineteen fifties money. Jesus. Like she's so just she's- buying stupid shit that nobody came over to the list house for them to show off. It was just shit that they could see. Is that kind of like the people that just like what did like shopaholics so that'll just buy stuff and then mm-hmm. it just collects dust? Like hoarders. Yeah, yeah. But she, they're just buying. Helen's basically just wasting all of John's money. And by this point, like John worked enough to amass like a small fortune, but they had no fucking money because Helen burned through it all. Well, also between her drinking and like spending, yeah, I mean, that's I mean, a strain. She got mm-hmm. up to like five scotches a day. Which is basically by the fifth scotch, the rest of the bottle. Um, So she was just blackout drunk, spending all of John's money. And then when they get to this house in New Jersey, she's wanting the most elaborate (laughs) fine house out on the market. This this house is so big, it has its own name. House's name is Breeze Knoll. It was the most expensive house in the most expensive part of town. Uh, Humble yourself, lady. Right? They really couldn't even afford such a huge place. And uh, there was also only five of them. So why she needed a 19-room home, I don't know. I guess for the status of yeah, it's it. It's all about the status. It's, it's all like, about... Look what I have. Because that's how you well, show off to he, Jesus. Is you have it. stuff. She played him. She knew that's 100%. She knew that. We'll we'll see who plays who in the end. Well, but she played into that. She was like, oh, yeah, and you know those beliefs that you have and, you know, all that good stuff. John's getting ready to play the famous game of Pop Goes the Weasel Extreme (laughs) Edition. Oh, my God. Is that me about Hasbro? (laughs) Maybe Mattel? I don't know. Maybe Remington. (laughs) (laughs) I think it was a uh, sour, six sour. Yeah. I don't know. Or, I don't remember what it's like. We'll anyway, find out. It's in here. It is in here. Um, but rather than argue about it, John went to his mother and asked for a loan. John and Alma were always close. She doted on her only child. So when John asked for the money, she gave it to him. In exchange for the loan, she got to live in the self-contained apartment on the third floor of the mansion. Now, John... Uh, John's mom and Helen fucking hated each other. Yes. So, uh, so because Alma Liss spoke German, her and John would speak German, and like so Helen couldn't hear him. And then uh, <clears throat> what did what did fucking Alma call Helen? A dirty rebounder. In German. Like, yeah, that's what she. I would, can only that's what, what she that would always call like. her would be a dirty rebounder. I kind of want to know what that sounds like now. I know. So, you know, at this point, everything seemed to be going well for the list. They lived in a lavish home. John was a Sunday school teacher who brought his whole family to church with him every week. He was the thriving VP of a successful bank, or so everyone thought. In reality, since they bought the house, everything had gone downhill. He was fired from the bank job due to personality clashes. Shocker. He'd actually gotten and lost a few jobs. He His lack of social skills coupled with his very rigid personality made him difficult to work with. People often described his demeanor as cold. 
the real kicker was he just wasn't he wasn't a bad worker. He it was just no one liked him. Like, and like I get like your work at like you don't it's not a popularity contest, but like you need to at least get along with the coworkers. Well, especially in a management position. Exactly. Well, also but, in the fifties, like they really thrived on that. Like now, nowadays, people are always like working from home or working remotely or whatever. Yeah. You really don't even have to really communicate with your boss oh, other would, than through email. He would hate it working in today's environment. All these blue-haired freaks. <laughs> oh my god! Could you imagine? Um, what the fuck was I going to say? I was going to say something. Oh, so one of the main things John, like his hobbies were, was he would play war games and invite people over from work to play these war games. But what he didn't tell them is these games would last like eight fucking hours. And he would trap these men over to play the game. And like, if you didn't play as the allies and let him play as the Nazis, he just wouldn't play at all. What? Yeah. Oh my God. It's that's hilarious. Super fucked up. Oh my God. So rather than tell his wife what happened, he continued to get up, get dressed and go to work. Quote unquote, every day. This is where that comedy bit started of like, well, time to go to work. And then he just goes off to the, like the, the library and reads all day. Like, yeah, just pretends to be out working. This is, this is where that came from. Yeah. He spent his days at the train station, reading, napping and fretting about how he was going to get his family <coughs> out of the mounting debt that was threatening to ruin them all. He said, quote, I grew up with the idea that you should provide for your family and to do that, you had to be a success in the job that you had, or you're a failure, and that was not a good thing to be. And you know, quote. always dress for the job you want. Exactly. And even if you're jobless, dress for the job you want. Yeah. Be ready and waiting when the door opens. Yeah. He eventually found a lower paying job, but again, he lost that one, and another, and another. But the low paying jobs were not keeping up with their lifestyle, and he began taking money from his mother's account. By 1971, he was completely bankrupt. This just added to the stress in his life because being a devout Lutheran, he believed that poverty was a sin. Weird, but okay. His three children, he believed, were turning more and more towards the sinful culture of the 1970s, especially Patricia, who wanted to become an actress, the most sinful and corrupt career in John's mind. There were also rumors that she was into witchcraft and smoking marijuana. Oh, my God. The audacity. Oh, so much audacity. All of it. As if things weren't bad enough, Helen's health began to quickly decline. Not long after they'd moved to New Jersey, she began experiencing blackouts, falling down. She even lost vision in her right eye. She was drinking heavily still and relying on tranquilizers. It turned out she had progressed to tertiary syphilis, which she had gotten from her first husband. And she'd also stopped going to church. She withdrew altogether. Like, yeah. told she the church to take her off their, their members list. Yeah. What? While he's still, like, keeping up appearances. Yeah. Well, they had actually fired him from being a Sunday school teacher. By Shocker. this point, um, because he made it so fucking miserable. 
to learn you, about Jesus. How do you get fired from being a Sunday school teacher? Because it was so boring. Talent. It was so boring. It was just, I imagine John List is like Colin yeah, Robertson off of What We Do in the Shadows. He is an energy vampire. Why was he not working at the DMV? John List would be amazing. <laughs> because he it wasn't been. prestigious enough. He True. wanted the prestigious job title of, he I'm an accountant. Be, he could be the manager of the DMV. I, yeah. And he would excel. <clears throat> Absolutely. He would. John had been silently struggling through all of this in his own mind for months. Bankruptcy was inevitable. This would put the family in poverty, having to depend on charity and welfare, which was completely unacceptable, according to John. He'd briefly considered taking his own life, but in the Lutheran faith, suicide was the one unforgivable sin. As much of a burden he felt his family was, he did love them in his own way. Somehow. I don't know. Uh, he wanted to know that he would at least have a chance at seeing them on the other side. He was determined that there was only one way to save his family from the humiliation and sinfulness of poverty. And much like he did everything in life, he'd worked out a plan in meticulous detail. John List woke up on November 9th, 1971, with his children, Frederick, John Jr., and Patricia, to eat breakfast with them. To the kids, it was just like a normal start to another normal day. John packed, his, packed up his children and sent them off to school. But to John List, it was the first day of his plan that he had been carefully working on for months. He then took his two handguns, a 9mm Steyr, and a Colt twenty-two revolver to the car and loaded them. So... He he definitely he definitely had been working on this plan for months. Oh yeah, because he even asked the kids one night over dinner uh, that he was they were going to soon die by his hand. Straight out told him, and then uh, asked them what their wishes were: burial or cremation. And then Patty went to school and told her drama teacher that my dad said he was going to fucking kill me, and he's and the drama teacher was like, "Woof." Jeez, uh, look at the time. <laughs> Helen woke up and came downstairs for her usual morning coffee. John spoke to her, you know, a little morning chit-chat over coffee. Then came up with his 9mm Steyr automatic pistol that his father had given him and shot her in the side of the head and killed her. He placed her body in a sleeping bag and dragged her to the grand ballroom underneath the beautiful stained glass ceiling. He climbed the stairs to his 84-year-old mother Alma's apartment. She was fixing her own breakfast. She asked him about the sound downstairs and he gave her a vague non-answer. He then put the gun to her head and pulled the trigger. She was too heavy for him to drag all the way down to the ballroom, so he tossed a towel over her face and just left her where he fell, where she fell. John said he felt, quote, like a Judas, end quote. The crime scene photos of Alma List, you can just still see the shock and terror on her face. It was frozen there in time mm -hmm. of the final thing she saw was just John pulling the gun on her and yeah. taking her down. And you can see it. Um, I we can't post any more crime scene photos on our Instagram. So look it up. It's definitely worth looking at. Look at the crime scene photos from this 
this case. Yeah, it's... We got flagged the other day for the Charles Manson crime scene photos. Boo. Cowards. <laughs> he came back downstairs, cleaned up the blood, and proceeded on with the next part of his plan. He said the amount of blood was surprising. He wrote letters and then called his children's school, called his boss, and some other people saying that the family had to leave to go tend to a sick relative in North Carolina. He sent the letters and had a stop put on their mail. He also had the newspaper and milk delivery stopped. He stopped by the bank and cashed his mother's $2,000 savings bond. Back at home, he made himself a sandwich and waited for the kids to get home. Which, if you've seen My Worst Nightmare, I think it's called, it's a show. Um, they do a John List episode and they actually got the order of how he murdered the kids wrong. I watched it one day and I was like, that's not how that happened. Mm. That's bad when you're like, that's not the so, right order. A lot of the <laughs> Literally. Times, a lot of the times those shows will actually make edits. Yeah. To make it play better on TV. That's not how it happened. Um, Patricia was the first. She had John come get her from school because she wasn't feeling well. Once inside, John shot her in the jaw with the twenty-two pistol he had kept from his time in the war. He dragged her body next to Helen in the ballroom and waited for the other two boys to get home. Frederick was next, and John shot him the same way he shot the others and dragged him into the ballroom next to Patricia. John Jr. had a soccer game that day, so John Sr. drove to the field to watch his son play and then brought him home. This is like the worst part of this episode. This, Seriously. This, this story. Once inside and into the kitchen, John Sr. shot John Jr. in the back of the head. But instead of immediately dying, John Jr. struggled. So John shot him nine more times before dragging him into the ballroom. Yeah. Honestly, he got the worst of it. He really did. He, mm. Poor boy. He's the youngest. He's the baby, wasn't he? Yeah. Uh, I believe so. But Patty was... The one who John constantly got into it with, and she got it probably the easiest. Yeah. She never saw it coming. No. Yeah. He then said a prayer from the Lutheran hymnal over their bodies. That's the most offensive part, I think. He had to make sure they got to heaven. I guess. Oh, whatever. John cleaned up the blood best as he could, sat down at the table, and ate dinner. He washed his dishes and set them on the dry rack when he was done, and then he went to sleep. He later admitted it was the best sleep he'd gotten in years. The next day, he turned down the AC to preserve the bodies, turned on every light in the home, and his favorite music to divert any potential intruders. He then sat down and wrote his five-page confession letter to his pastor, and then he cut himself out of every single family photo in the home. And then John just walked out of the door, locked it, and left. Dude, the like, he was blasting classical music all throughout the house. The it was just creepy. So I it, was getting there. Oh, fuck. I was going to set the scene. You, uh, I'm sorry. It's okay. Was I'm it like sorry. you walking me, uh, walking in on my it, it, favorite part, though? I'm not. 
Was it like you walking in on me when I was doing bills and listening yes. to creepy organ music? Yes. Yeah, but you replaced like, me with police officers and you with dead bodies. Well, I would say maybe a drama teacher before the police officers. Well, no, they didn't. They couldn't. We'll, we'll get there. Yeah. We'll get there. He drove to JFK and dropped his car off, took a bus back to the city. From there, he took a train to Denver. So from New Jersey to Denver, Colorado. Once there, he applied for a social security card under the name of Robert Peter Clark, and he got a job as a short order cook and started his new life. And he was actually good at being a cook. He got like a dish named after, like his dish that he invented at a a diner that he worked at. Where was he at with that? That is a perfect (laughs) job. You don't have to talk to anybody. He was actually fucking good at it. But because it wasn't a prestigious deal, he, I don't know. As the weeks passed, the home sat still and empty. The lights began to burn out one by one, with only the sound of classical music playing over the speakers. It took nearly a month for anyone to ask questions about the lists. John had done a pretty good job at giving himself a head start by sending those letters and stopping the mail and milk deliveries. He told the church, their neighbors, the kids' school, their coaches, and friends about them going to North Carolina to help tend to a sick relative. He was a huge fan of true crime. Really? That yeah. makes that makes a lot of sense. He was a huge fan of true he crime. He cut himself out of family photos so they yeah. wouldn't have anything to post. Be like, wanted, no picture, just a name, John List, and he is in the wind. Yeah. You have yeah. no idea what he looks like. But by December 7th, Patricia's drama teacher couldn't shake the feeling that something was completely wrong about Patricia's extended absence. He found John List to be a very strange man. Sounds like everyone felt the same way about old Johnny. But like Eric said, like she had confided in him saying that she thought her father was going to kill the whole family. But she didn't sing it dramatically. You have to you have to sing it. Yeah, with the chest. Yeah, you have to sing it if you want it taken seriously in drama class. (laughs) So he convinced another teacher to join him, and they went to Breeznol. The neighbors called the police whenever they saw strangers walking around the list property. When the police arrived, they couldn't find anything out of place, but the neighbors insisted, and officers found an open window to climb into. There's oh, he they always miss something, always. Mm So the two officers, George Zahelznik and Charles Holler, went into the home. The spacious home was almost completely dark, aside from one light upstairs that made shadows over everything. The air inside was freezing, and the creepiest thing of all, the classical music that John had put on before he left was still playing. And that is what I like to call nightmare fuel. Police came to the set of curtains separating the ballroom from the rest of the home, and when they opened it up, they were met with the smell of human decomposition. They saw the neatly lined up bodies of Helen, Patricia, Frederick, and John Jr. in their sleeping bags. When they searched the rest of the home, they found John's confession letter and the guns he used to murder his family. Per his instructions in his letter, the police found Alma's body upstairs. They immediately put out a nationwide APB for John List, 
They soon found his car parked at JFK, but there was no record of him boarding a plane. From there, there were no more leads, no clue as to where John List had gone. He had disappeared without a trace. Over the years, police followed up on every single tip that was given. This includes every sighting and every lead, all leading nowhere. He was like one of the famous ghosts of the FBI. Yeah. He, him and D.B. Cooper. In fact, there was one point in time where they thought John List <coughs> and D.B. Cooper were one and the same. So, Damn. Yeah. Like it was kind of a running joke at the FBI. Like, oh, what do you, what did you do? Oh, I ran John List this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> they did their best to keep the case in the public eye, doing all the broadcasting and publishing the story on every significant anniversary, the first, the third, fifth, and tenth. They even this is the fiftieth. Mm-hmm. They even tried to get the story on unsolved mysteries, but they still never picked it up. By 1989, the case was almost 18 years old. The TV show we all watched as kids, America's Most Wanted, had been on TV for a little over a year at this point, and they tried to get John List on there, but the show's producers and writers felt the case was, quote, too cold to be on there. Until John Walsh caught wind of this case. You could say that John Walsh had a very strong had very strong feelings towards John List, calling him a son of a bitch, a coward, and a child killer. John Walsh was determined to bring John List to justice, but it had been almost 20 years at this point, and he needed a photo, a recent photo of John List. Walsh brought in the forensic sculptor Frank Bender to create an aged bust version of John List as he would look in 1989. He took into consideration John List's parents and how they aged, and he even went as far as going to find a pair of thrift store glasses that he thought John List would wear. And I don't know if you've seen the rendered bust of John List and what John List looked like when he was caught. But Frank Bender is the real MVP. He hit the nail on the head with that bust. Have you seen it? No. It is. It's dead on. Hold, I have. I have it. So the the bust is on the left, and the real John List is on the right. And this one we can post on Instagram. Wow. Yeah. Is that not the most wild mm-hmm. thing ever? I mean, the glasses gives it. Literally got down right to the glasses. The nose, everything. Chef's kiss. On May 21st, 1989, John List's episode of America's Most Wanted aired, and about 22 million people tuned in, including a woman named Wanda and her daughter Eva in Denver. The women were sure, even before they showed the bust, that their former neighbor, Bob Clark, fit the description. He was soft-spoken, wore a suit, he was an accountant, and a devout Lutheran. When they saw the bust, they knew it was John List right down to the glasses, and they immediately called the tip line. He really didn't even fucking try to create a new life. He did the cook thing for a hot minute and then he's like nope nope i was meant to be an accountant yeah which i'm like dude 
dead fucking giveaway. Right? Like, do You just did a just, name change. Yeah. And it wasn't even a creative one. No. It was a guy he went to college with. Ugh. That was Bob Clark. <laughs> it took 11 days for the FBI to show up to Bob Clark's house in <sighs> Richmond, Virginia. His new wife, Dolores, told them that he was at work. So the agents went to John List's work, well, Bob Clark, whatever, his work, and they said it was striking how much John List looked like the bust rendering. They asked him if he was John List, as if he'd be like, yep, that's me, you caught me. Um, obviously, he denied it. He continued to deny it even after the fingerprints matched the ones on file when he applied for his handgun permit. That he never picked up, by the way. Yeah. I don't know if that was like some part of his master plan that he abandoned <laughs> at some point, but there's always a broken taillight. Always. Yep. John List was arrested and charged with five counts of first degree murder. His trial began 18 and a half years after the murders. I don't even think he thought it would last that long. I figure he thought that they were going to bust him real quick. Yeah. And he probably would like after the first like five years, he's like, Huh. I would say probably after the first, like, six months. Yeah, he's like, huh. He was probably like, all right. Well, all right, then. Here's the real kicker. Court psychiatrist diagnosed him with OCD, only making him guilty of second-degree murder. What? I don't think a lot of precedent had been set to really understand what OCD really was back then until the publication of the DSM-4 in 1994. There wasn't a lot of research on OCD, and it still is, it's still expanding today. Yeah. So back then, they had no idea. But I think John List's issues went a little farther than just OCD. Could you say he might have been on the spectrum? Um, I don't think so. Uh, I would the say way he was meticulous and everything. He's very antisocial, very reclusive. Maybe a little bit of like Asperger's. Uh, I would say. Um, like, if he didn't have his way playing the, the war game, he just wouldn't play it right, all. Right, right. It wasn't just the anxiety of things needing to be a certain way. When he explained his reasoning for the murders years later, he said that he believed he was saving his family members. He also said, quote, I finally decided the only way to save them from that public embarrassment and falling away from the Christian faith was to kill them. I feel when we get to heaven, we won't worry about these things, these earthly things. They'll either have forgiven me or won't realize, you know, what happened. When John was asked why he didn't kill himself, as most family annihilators do, he responded, it was my belief that if you kill yourself, you won't go to heaven. So eventually I got to the point where I felt that I could kill them. Hopefully they would go to heaven and then maybe I would have a chance to later confess my sins to God and get forgiveness. It was his. It was this staunch belief system combined with a paralyzing fear of failure and a big old splash of narcissism that allowed John List to do what he did and kind of like rationalize it in his head. Oh, he's an undercover narcissist if there's ever for been sure. Um, and mm -hmm. he and he shows all the different factors of being a family now leader. Yeah. So, I mean, there's ones that do it for economic reasons. There's mm -hmm. ones that do it out of sheer hatred. Chris and resentment. Yeah. I think, I think he f factors in all of the different 
parts of being a family yeah. now. Yeah. It was it there wasn't just one thing. It was like from one end of the spectrum to the other and that was everything John List had going on in his head. After 9 hours of deliberation, he was found guilty on all charges. It should have been 9 seconds in my opinion, but do them. They got to do their due diligence. I guess so. I have an opinion about this that I'm formulating. <laughs> he was sentenced to 5 consecutive life sentences. When his sentence was read aloud, the courtroom erupted in applause. While most see him as a cold, unfeeling monster, it's his insecurity that stands out to me the most. John List was afraid. He was terrified. You see, in John List's mind, being a public disappointment in front of his family was a fate worse than death. And not just for him, like for them too, like... They would have to like go to school and be like, oh, your dad's John Liz. Like he's he, he's he's a failure. Yeah. Like he, I guess he felt like it was like tainting the family name and in front of the church's eyes. Yeah. So all the the churchgoers would be like, oh, did you hear about John? He's yeah. Bankrupt. Yeah, and this is kind of where the narcissism takes pl- like comes into play because they don't typically have the ability to truly put themselves in someone else's shoes. Yep. Instead, they extrapolate their own feelings and put them on others. Like, if they're wounded, you have to be, too. You will be. If, like, that's just how their little fragile bubble world works. So, now that we've finished the story, I'm going to tell you my most morbidly favorite part. I was told to keep my mouth shut yes, on this. Yes, because you ruined my thing I last stopped, week. I stopped reading, so you will... This is my favorite part of the whole story. It's a little morbid, but it's fine. You will appreciate the morbidity of my favorite if part. If anybody will, it will be me. Exactly. So, and if you know the John List case, you know that I left out a semi-important part of the story of the huge home that is Bree's Knoll. So in the ballroom, the same ballroom that John List laid the bodies of his family, minus Alma, was a stained glass skylight that he laid them underneath, right? Yeah. But it wasn't just your normal everyday skylight. This skylight was signed by Louis Comfort Tiffany. His father... Charles Lewis Tiffany is the founder of Tiffany and Company. So he laid his family's body underneath the answer to all of his financial problems. The the skylight back in the 50s was priced at $100,000, relieving him of all financial stresses until he could figure out something else. Which hundred thousand dollars back in the fifties is yeah. equivalent to five hundred and seventy thousand dollars today. That's crazy. He laid them to rest underneath the answer to all of his problems. I don't think that was all of his problems, but I think no, it was a lot of them. The mo- pretty much but why he killed his thing. family. Helen would have spent that money anyway. Right. See, there's where my uh, I've I've sat here and. I'll let you finish. No, I was done. I was done. I have a thought. Here's the other (laughs) other fact that we need to talk about. Is the house mysteriously burned down a couple years after the fact. So after the bodies were discovered, the house mysteriously burned the fuck down. That's weird. 
destroying seriously the the skylight. It destroyed the skylight, the Tiffany stained glass ceiling. And some people aren't sure if it was John List that did that. Mm. I don't think it was John List that came back and did it. I don't think he did that. I think once he stepped out, he stepped out. He was out. He was like, I'm gone. See you later. Yeah. But yeah, that's my favorite part. He laid them underneath pretty much the answer to most of his issues. Yeah. All right. Well, that's John List, guys. Yeah. So we hope you don't annihilate any of your families over the holiday weekend. And if you do. While you're carving turkeys. Do better than John List did. I really. If you're having any thoughts of harming it yourself or anyone else, please go seek help. Yes. We don't endorse that. That was a joke. Don't take it seriously. Disclaimer. I don't think you should murder any of your family. I feel bad for him. I, in a way. From the beginning. Not what what transpired but i think that everybody has a snapping point yeah he definitely and, hit his breaking point and for, I, and for I, sure and it, it, i think he really was trying to well, he was a man the, out of time he was trying to do what he his wife's an alcoholic and spending all of his fucking money mm-hmm. i mean he went i mean clearly he was a, a father that cared about his kids in his not, own way in his own way not in a narcissistic i mean way. you gotta think what were the big stories at the time when he did this, like if he was really, he opened up the newspaper that morning, I'm sure, and saw The Exorcist was nominated for an Oscar. Um, right. Bugliosi was selling Helter Skelter. Like I'm sure there was an ad in the newspaper for that. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just, these are all things that are compounding and solidifying his decision. Like the world's going to hell in a handbag. I need to send my children to heaven, and the only way I know how to do that. <laughs> Is to kill them mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, he before watch, they're corrupted. He wouldn't watch one of his kids play soccer, not in a narcissistic way, like somebody was going to watch him because that would have been he if he was really like a very evil person. I don't think he was an evil person. I think the way that that it was <coughs> went down is very evil, but I don't think it came from like a place that was like he just hit a snapping point. I'm pretty sure that if I was in that kind of people do horrible things when they are. I think he tamped it all down. Yep. To a point to where he just. The only option was to explode. He was basically like a wild animal, a cornered wild animal. Yeah. He did what he felt he had to do to I mean, get out of his situation. I mean, the house was fucking triple mortgaged at that point. I use, you're going to laugh at this, I use in my thought process with with a lot of these murderers, like when they go on these like sprees or whatever and like out of anger, not out of just like, ooh, gleeful fun. Like, <laughs> I use that me or that thought process from anger management, don't judge me, where there's the cashier and then the angry customer the angry customer screams at the cashier loses their shit and the cashier sits there day in and day out and takes it and then finally just explodes and brings a shotgun in and kills yes everybody. he exploded yes <clears throat> i compare him to the cashier yes he is the cashier yes so i i feel for him but i don't think i i do agree with you what the the crime the punishment for the crime yeah, I agree with that. But I think that he just kind of was felt handed a very shitty hand. Oh, he was definitely. And his a really wife started that hand. downhill spiral for him. Yeah. <clears throat> he uh, he didn't have like a, he didn't have a bad childhood. He kept working and working and working. And it's like the parable of, you know, the ant. Yeah. Like he keeps putting back and putting back and put. But it's never enough. No, nope. because this goddamn bitch of an ant wife keeps spending all of his ant money. <laughs> what is the ant money? 
I feel like there's a fable that's about like something about squirreling away money. Yeah. And then there the other animal least. starves. There is, yeah. Yeah, that he's he was squirreling and the other animal was stealing shit. <laughs> yeah, the other animal was taking all of his fucking money. Oh my god. Well, Being that's so- gonna do it for us this week, guys. Hope you guys enjoyed it. I did. It yeah, my this, favorite. Is a, this is a personal favorite of all of ours. I'm gonna go find some stained glass and take some pictures underneath it for the for the TikTok. <laughs> do it for the talk. Yeah, do it for the talk account. Speaking of the TikTok account, make sure to follow us. Yes. And all the other socials, Instagram, Facebook. Make sure you guys are downloading and listening to the show. We appreciate mm-hmm. all of your feedback. So if there is suggestions, good positive feedback. We like that. Mm-hmm. And if there's anything that you guys want to hear in the future, please let us know. Yeah. Message any of us and let us know. Yep. Um, <clears throat> all right, guys. Yeah. Just remember to download the episodes, share it, share it with everybody, you know. And we will see you next Friday. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.